Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Amen. So throughout the Bible, and y'all are going to have to forgive me. I'm sticking to the script today. (laughs) It's a little weird, awkward for me, so I've got the script in front of me. But, you know, bear with me. We can do this together. Um, Throughout the Bible, there are many references to commandments and sin and even the law. And commandments and laws came about because of our sinful, human, horrible nature. (laughs) Let's Let's be honest about it. In fact... I mean, for example, one of my children may have taken a bottle of BBs and spread it throughout the other child's room recently. And I have learned that BBs are really hard to get up off of, sweep up, certainly, off of a slick concrete floor. And the other child did not take that happily in the spirit which it was intended, (laughs) as you can imagine. And so, if we were living thousands of years ago, a couple thousand years ago, there would probably be a law in the Bible that says, thou shalt not spread BBs over thy sibling's room. (laughs) Because that's the way we are as people. There are too many laws for me to remember, or so sometimes I think about the greatest commandments or the worst sins. And so... Three main topics come to mind, especially when you consider the words of Jesus, and all three of these can be found in Matthew. Blasphemy against the Spirit is one of them. That's the unforgivable sin, and I'm not preaching about that because I don't want to accidentally blaspheme against the Spirit in my preaching by using example. I'm just, don't do it, people. Um, Love of money. Jesus also talks about the love of money and the camel having a difficult time, an easier time passing through the eye of a needle than a rich man into heaven. And while I would love to preach about that today, the stewardship drives in just a few weeks. I'll be back. So there's your warning. Uh, And the one I'm going to cover today is about love, the love of God and love of neighbor. I think I need to talk about this one a lot, even more than money, because for me, loving your neighbor is sometimes a difficult thing to do. Now, normally, I could give you a thousand examples with my actual neighbors, except all of my neighbors have moved. (laughs) And I don't mean I have four new neighbors. I mean, all four of the houses around me are vacant. I won. Wait, that's not the way we're supposed to be. I didn't run them all off, just maybe one, not all of them, you know. Um, And so so for some of you that may feel isolated and lonely, no neighbors. For me, it's like this (laughs) wonderful retreat right now, and I've needed some space. Uh, I've been up at church dealing with a lot lately, because y'all may not know this, I'm a volunteer. Uh, I'm not on staff here, but I'm the treasurer and a lay minister. And so there are things that go on behind the scenes at church that uh, you may not recognize as part of being a church, paying the bills, recording your contributions, little things like that, (laughs) making sure we don't have IRS take away our status as a church. But then on top of that, we're implementing a new financial system, all stuff that you wouldn't see about or, or care about. It'll make it easier for us, and it'll save money, which is a great thing. But then on top of that, there were vision team meetings, and there were other things going on, uh, adult study meetings. And believe it or not, there was some discord at the church. 
There's never any, I know that's hard to imagine, there's never any discord at church, right? At my old church, when my mother and I became Methodists, there was discord when we left. And when, when Pastor David was here, when we got here, Pastor David was here, and he was leaving and there was discord here. And then Pastor Laura came and David left and there was still discord. <laughs> and now Pastor Laura's gone and Pastor Wilson's here. And guess what, folks? There's still a discord. I'm starting to think it's not the pastors. Now, y'all could say that's me. I'm the only common denominator in there. But, and I'll own it if you need me to. That's fine. But I think it's the nature of humanity. Um, so that's, you know, back in my spiritual treat, retreat at home, all alone, worn out and frazzled. Then Linnea calls me. And I'm, you know, I'm going to go ahead and address what's happened here in the last couple of weeks, folks. If y'all don't know, this may surprise you. Linnea calls me on a Thursday afternoon, and Pastor Wilson needed to take a leave of absence. And I'm already worn out and frazzled. And we figured out how to make sure service came on. But at the same time, I have all of these human emotions going on. I'm worried for the pastor. I'm shocked and angered by the sudden leave and absence of my pastor. And I'm even feeling in some ways abandoned and unloved. But hey, that's not all. We had a meeting coming up on Sunday, a big vision team meeting. And the theme of discord wasn't hidden at all at that meeting. <laughs> it was pretty open. Uh, people had felt different things, and it came out. And then on Monday night, the church voted to enter the discernment process, which added more feelings to the mix that I already had. Sadness about what was going on in my church. Even relief that the crisis that was, seemed to be building at the moment was averted or at least put off. And so most people in talking to you felt the same as I did, worried, shocked, sad, angry, abandoned, unloved, even relieved. To add to it, a guy named Richard, who'll be here at the later service, I believe, called me and said, Elizabeth, I was only on vacation for a month. What did you do to my church? <laughs> like, thanks, Richard. And at one point, I started thinking about how much nicer it would be to have been an early disciple with Jesus right here among us, how on the same page we all were, right? No discord, just working together in love and peace. I'm going to read about them to see what I can learn. And then I found that diversity there and parallels to today that I wasn't necessarily expecting. I was looking for peace. I wasn't looking for more discord. While there are a couple of disciples, we don't know what they did or what their background was. We generally think of disciplemen as carpenters or fishermen, because that's what we hear about. Jesus was a carpenter, and at least five of the disciples were fishermen. Technically, you could count two more as fishermen, but they owned their businesses. They were in management. So that's a natural discord. Then you have the tax collector. The tax collector was reputable. Define reputable. It could be good or bad, but he was reputable. He was wealthy, he was educated, and he was opinionated. Then you have the thief, the embezzler, who was put in charge of their money. Now, let me be clear about the parallels to today. I'm not a thief. Karen's not a thief. We watch each other. Your money is safe. That's what all embezzlers say. So, I'm just kidding. 
Just kidding. We check each other's work so you can trust us. But then on top of these guys, there was the zealot. I had to look it up. What's a zealot by today's terms? We would describe the zealot as a person engaged in politics and anarchy or who had a passion for a cause. Why, when Jesus had the power to create his dream team, would he have chosen these? Can you imagine the fighting between the business owners and the zealot? The business owner thrives on rules and structure, and the zealot's aiming for, you know, a redistribution or based on not something a business owner would recognize, based on what's the, the moment, the, what's the passion that they have, or just anarchy in general. Or the discord between the tax collector and the thief, both of them trying to earn a living, but in very different legal versus illegal ways. And what about all the feelings of all the fishermen stuck in the middle going, we just want to fish. Can't we all just do this peacefully? Can you imagine all that? Because that I can, because that's exactly the world we live in today. There, it wasn't a simpler time. It was exactly who we are as people. We're all human. We're all children of God. And we're meant to love each other and be loved by each other. In spite of what we may think about those roles, the 12 were good Christians. Well, at least 11 of them, but even the 12th disciple, until the moment where they chose a path of, of darkness, you know, was a good, good Christian. Those first 12, in spite of their differences, grew a, 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 a following of 2.6 billion people in the world today because of those first 12. And they, were, they had discord. And so that leaves me with hope. Not one of us exactly is exactly as the same as the next. Not one of us believes exactly the same as the next. And not one of us has the exact same sin as the next, but we're still all children of God. If we had our choice, we'd surround ourselves with people just exactly like us. It would be so much easier. It's easy to like people we like and people who like us. It's harder to love those who oppose us, who have different views. And we don't want all that chaos and noise and discord in our lives. You go to your corner, I'll go to my corner. We'll just, we don't have to talk to each other. But Jesus was different. Jesus loved his neighbor. He loved us all. He came here to save all of us, not just the ones like me or the ones like you, not the rational ones or the compassionate ones, or even those filled with hate. He, he loved even those filled with hate, hurt, fear, and wretchedness. How do I know this? Because the Bible says so. On the night when he was betrayed, the disciples were arguing. Guess that? The disciples were arguing. <laughs> Imagine. Over who was the greatest among them. Who's right? Who's the best? Who's the one who deserves it? And while they were arguing, Jesus went around and washed their feet. He took off his robe and he wrapped himself in his towel. And he just went on the floor and washed their feet. The greatest among them washed their feet, quieting their boasting, changing their hearts. He washed all their feet, even the one who was going to end up betraying him. And he said, so if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. 
On the way to the church board meeting the other night, I was convicted. <laughs> I'm driving down. Well, I was supposed to lead the devotional that night, so I'd been thinking about it all afternoon. I don't know what I'm going to say. I don't know it's going to be a tense meeting. And I'm driving down Flint Rock Road to pick up um, my child from school when Jesus gets in the car and convicts me. I now know, for those of you on the 62071 traffic page, what happens to cars on Flint Rock Road. <laughs> Jesus got in it with me. Ah! <laughs> what do you mean? And he said, you need to wash their feet. And I'm like, I don't wash their feet. What are you talking about? I'm a non-voting member of the board. All I do is sit there and take notes. I'm the treasurer, make sure I fund them, the organization's needs. And sometimes in that quiet, sitting there taking notes, I have to confess that judgment slips into my little brain. And my mother's shaking her head because she knows me. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't have said it that way. Or, please stop saying the same thing over and over. Or, why is no one listening to each other? What's the point of that statement? Or, oh, I can't believe you just did that. And on and on and on. So I got that download from the Holy Spirit, you need to wash their feet. And I argued as long as I could. But then before the board meeting, I got on the floor and everybody who was there, who we had time to, I actually washed their feet. And it, it affected me more deeply than I expected. First, there's the awkwardness. No one knew this was coming. I hadn't said there will be a foot washing, so please prepare your feet. Everybody's like, no. Uh, the first person I asked was like, absolutely not. But with that person, I knew I could break her down. And so <laughs> I said again, may I please wash your feet? Elizabeth, no, you don't need to do that. And I'm like, yes, but I do. And she let me wash her feet. And they, they agreed. I poured water over her feet, rubbed it around, dried her feet. And I, with this person, I was very careful not to make eye contact because we would have started crying. We had been in the trenches together. I moved around to the district superintendent who was at our board meeting and asked to wash her feet. She said yes. And then she said, do you do this at all, your board meetings? <laughs> no. It's not actually a bad idea, but no. <laughs> I can't speak for those people whose feet I washed. Some refused. Some begged for it. Some accepted it. I can speak for what it did to me. It made me look at people as Jesus looked at his disciples. Washing feet is a very personal act. I felt and understood in others' reluctance, the desire to be touched and cared for by another human, Hurt, pain, joy, eagerness, awkwardness, disbelief, and for some even just displeasure at the water temperature. Gratitude, all sorts of things. All of the human emotions wrapped up in the tender moment as it might have been with Jesus and his disciples. And there was peace for a moment. And then the board meeting started. And for me, the pieces lasted. Church, your board voted this week to enter a period of discernment. What does discernment mean in a Christian context? 
According to our good friend at Oxford, I really don't understand what they said either. (laughs) Discernment is not your own judgment, but perceiving spiritual guidance for a course of action. You should have received a letter in the mail or an email blast about this. And if you didn't, then then come talk to me afterwards. But I'm not going to go in a lot of detail at this point because the letter explains it far better than I can. We at Bee Creek are discerning what we want our church to be and what we want our relationship with the Greater United Methodist Church to be going forward. There is no set path or answer. We haven't decided that we're not going to be a UMC church or that we are or that anything. We just want, we have just decided that we're going to discern together like the disciples with, with Jesus leading. Prayerfully discussing with this, this with God and listening for his feedback. It's not the board doing the discerning, it's the whole church. Every confirmed member will have a voice if you want your voice to be had. And we want your voice to be heard. It was only a few days ago that the board voted to enter this period of discernment, and it's been a very busy time, so more details will come. Please be patient. And some of you are just learning about this and processing your own feelings. You're still in a state of, what's going, what did you do to my church while I was gone, Elizabeth? Me, I've had more time to process my feelings, and now I'm very excited that the board chose to enter this discernment period because what this means is it's not going to be me or Will off over in the corner discerning. It's going to be all of us, and I pick on Will because he's on the front row. He'll never sit there again. Um, It's because we're all going to be discerning together like we're supposed to. Uh, Discerning as a unified body of Christ how we are best able to be the hands and feet of Christ in our community. What I ask you today as we work through this together is that you keep lifting up our pastor, our denomination, our congregation, and our communities outside this wall. When we start to argue as we likely might over who is greatest or who is right or who is wrong, take a moment to pause and think about the shared humanity in the other person. and wash their feet. If not physically, at least spiritually, you don't have to knock them down and make them let you wash their feet. But think about them that way. Love your neighbor as yourself as Jesus loved us and gave his example by washing his disciples' feet or by dying for us because he loved us. Please bow your heads with me as we close. Lord, we commend ourselves to you, trusting in you fully. Please guide us with your wisdom and send your angels to guard and protect us from any attack, spiritual or otherwise. Let us hear your voice as a calm, gentle whisper over the drama of this world. Forgive us when we've let you down in the past, but also strengthen us so that we may may go forth boldly as your servants. In Jesus' name, amen.